Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your Creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 339 for the second of Cheshvan in a leap year. So I'm pretty sure I have mentioned previously on this podcast a book by Ryan Holiday entitled The Obstacle is the Way. If not, then I'm mentioning it now. And what this book is, is basically it's based on Stoic philosophy. And Stoic philosophy is a very interesting philosophy. It's not a religion. It's a, it's a philosophy that began in Greece and then was also popularized in Rome. And the whole idea, a lot of the idea of Stoic philosophy is this idea of like having control over your mind, not letting your baser instincts get the better of you. So this book, The Obstacles, The Way, is really, it brings a lot of teachings from Stoic philosophy that are very interesting to read. And the title being The Obstacles, The Way is kind of like the common, what the author felt was like the common ground with all of these things. That when obstacles come at us in life, rather than getting frustrated by them, rather than letting having them bring us down, actually try to see if you can use them as an opportunity for your growth. So this is a really nice life philosophy in general, right? And there's a lot that we can learn from it. We've spoken previously about the idea of uh, of making mistakes and how it's also been studied that specifically when you make mistakes, that's where the learning happens. That's where the neuroplasticity happens in the brain. So like, for example, um, you know, if, you're, if you have a gymnastics practice like I do, so when I'm practicing my handstands, whenever I fall in my handstands, that's actually where the learning happens. It's not when I get it right. When I get it right, that's kind of the result of the learning, but the learning itself is in the mistakes, is in the fall. So this is a general principle in life that the way we grow is through obstacles, through difficulties, through challenges. This is something that's kind of commonsensical if you think about it, right? But today we're going to look at it from a deeper perspective, from a spiritual perspective, and we're going to bring it back, trace it back to the beginning of the epistle that we that we learned about, uh, about anger and about anger management. And what we'll learn today is that anger management is like sort of, okay, it's a nice step in terms of not being angry, but ultimately, what if you could take your anger and you could actually reroute it and pivot it and have this anger be your impetus for growth and for connecting with God. How cool would that be? So if you've been following along the past few episodes, we start, we've start. we been getting into this discussion of of, uh, of how it is that like if that anger is likened to idolatry because really ultimately everything comes from God. And so if somebody is doing something to trigger you and arouses feel, feelings of anger within you, then you need to recognize that this person doesn't have any power of their own. So anything that happens to you in, in your life, even if it's coming for another person, is just a message, message from God. And so really God is there and God's trying to teach you something. 
Right. So to be angry at the person is silly because the person doesn't have power to hurt you. The person doesn't have power to do anything. And they wouldn't be able to say any words or do anything to you that would be hurtful if God did not invest his power within him. And this led us into a deeper discussion about the whole idea of you reminding us, reviewing the idea that God is present within everything. The Shekhinah is here in the world. The world is constantly being vivified, something from nothing at all times, not only our world, but all the worlds, everything at every moment. And so today we're going to bring it back to this scenario, this real life scenario that the ultra is going to bring up, make it really practical for us of how to apply these teachings to a moment when you are actually encountered, when you, when you're encountered with this kind of situation where somebody is being annoying towards you, someone is heckling you, somebody is distracting you from doing what you need to do, uh, especially when it comes to your service of God. So let's say you are trying to pray and there's someone in Shul that is talking and, uh, and being really annoying. Or let's say even outside, there's like a car alarm or you know, people screaming outside or whatever it is, or somebody is like tapping their finger, uh, you know, they have a nervous twitch or whatever, and it's really being annoying to you. And let's say there's nothing you can do about it. Like, you know, it'd be one thing if you can turn around politely and tell them to stop and you know that they're going to listen to you. But what if you know that they're not going to listen to you? And this is the situation. What do you do? Do you get angry? Or do you just like, push down your anger and just like sit there kind of like frustrated or is there a way that we can turn this into something positive and so this is what we're going to be learning about today is how to refocus how to reorient your mindset so that your perception of the situation changes from one of anger to actually one of opportunity to one of growth and in short, it will bring us back to that teaching of how seeing every, that everything in the world really is a message from God and really is comes from the power of God and how ultimately the only freedom that we really have is our mindset, is whether we are going to serve God or not, whether we will choose to do the right thing or not. So that's the whole, everything is in the hands of heaven except for fear of heaven. That's the one thing that we have control over is our mindset. And just for broader context of this discussion, as I've mentioned a few times here already, this, the reason why the altar is bringing all of this up, it was is actually, it's based on a teaching of the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov taught all of this, and it was brought down in the famous compilation of the Baal Shem Tov's teaching known as Tzivat Rubash, the Testament of the Baal Shem Tov. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of misnagdim, opposers to Hasidus, saw this teaching as heretical because they felt like what we're saying here basically is that God is in evil. God is, there's, you know, God forbid that there's like a negative and evil side to God. Like how could we say that God is just as present in evil as he is in good? And so this entire epistle is the ultra-rebbe's response to that and to, and, and, uh, and how to understand that teaching. So with that being said, let's get into the text and see how the Altar Rebbe explains all of this. So the Altar Rebbe begins and he says that after all of these things, all of these, these words of truth that are revealed and manifest to all, so everything that we've been talking about so far, uh, go back, listen to the previous episodes to for context with that, just the idea of, you know, ex nihilo creation, perpetually, something from nothing, God being here and nothing have any existence other than God. Now we're going to go back to that initial thing that we brought up, the idea of anger, which we said that anger, being angry is likened to being like an idol worshiper. So this is so even with mundane matters, like even if like we, let's say somebody just gets like a little frustrated here and there. So like, let's say you, um, 
go to your car and you find that you have a ticket, you know, and it's like, you, you don't know why you got a ticket. And then you realize, oh man, there's a sign that you didn't notice and whatever, and you got a ticket. It's like this annoying thing. So even these kind of things, it is not, it, we're not excused from being angry for, for, we should not be angry during those times because we, we should recognize the fact that everything is in the hands of heaven, except for fear of heaven. As we said in Hebrew, and the, the origin of that phrase is actually in the Gemara in Masechet Brachos, page 33b. And so now the Altrava takes us a little bit on a tangent here just to like uh, give this caveat that like this is why it is that when it comes to like we're not like a person might think this whole idea that like everything is in the hands of heaven, everything is divine providence or whatever means that we should be just really passive. And if we see somebody doing something wrong uh, or behaving in a way that they shouldn't, we should just say like, well, you know, it's in the hands of heaven, whatever. This is, uh, it's not, it's not up to us. Just let them be whatever. So it's, so the truth is this, um, it's everything is in the hands of heaven, except for Yilat Shemaim, except for fear of heaven, which means that if we should try to prevent people from transgressing, we should try to, we do have a, um, a role in that. We should try to encourage people to serve Hashem. And this is how we can understand the idea that we see in Bamidbar, uh, chapter 31, verse 14, it says that Moses was angry. So it's like, because you could say like, how is it that Moshe was angry? Moshe was the holiest man ever. And we just said anger is likened to Avarazara. And so the reason why is because he was angry because of, for spiritual reasons, because he saw that he had an opportunity to prevent the Jews from sinning. And so he took this opportunity. And because Moshe was who he was, he knew that this wouldn't be in vain. He knew that he could have an influence upon them. So in that case, that would be like a positive expression of anger. So really everything has its place in the world, even anger. However, this is only the case when you know that you can prevent a transgression from happening through your anger to your fellow. But if you cannot change the situation, like if you know that the person is not going to be able, is, is not going to listen to you, like for example, so this is the example the ultra rabbit brings is like, let's say if a non-Jew is speaking and mixing you up during your prayers. So in that case, first of all, you don't want to interrupt your prayers. Like let's say you're in a part of your prayer where you can't talk. Secondly, you know that this non-Jewish person isn't going to listen to you. They might laugh at you or worse assuming this person's like not a very nice person, you know, and not very respectful and everything. So then the question comes up like, okay, so why did God do this to me? If I'm not there, if I, if I can't prevent them, if I, if I can't uh, rebuke this person, I can't stop this from happening. Why is this annoying thing here? Doesn't God want me to pray? And so, yes, so God did put this person here for you. And the reason why is in order for you to prevail and to strengthen yourself even more in your prayer from the depths of your heart and with great kavana. So it's to actually arouse you to become even more intense, to to try even harder. So it's like, you know, like it's kind of like in school, like I remember I might've um, had this, I told you guys this story before that I took once uh, I needed credits in my university, like I needed, you know, credits um, in school. And so I decided to take an easy class. I took Hebrew because beginner's Hebrew, because I, you know, I speak Hebrew fluently. And I was like, oh, this will be easy. This will be a breeze. But when the teacher found this out that I spoke Hebrew, she was on to me and she started giving me extra work. So she started having me read Israeli newspapers, write papers on them and do all kinds of things that the other people in the class weren't doing because she wanted to push me. So it's a similar thing. That's going to, that's a good teacher. 
So God too is a good teacher. So God, when he's sending you these distractions during your prayer, not only is this in order, it's not just in order to, um, to push you away and to, you know, annoy you, but it's actually to push you to work harder. He wants you to get even stronger in your con- concentration in order so that you will not be able to hear the voice of and the words of this non-Jew. However, the ultra rabbi says he acknowledges that in order to get to this level, it's, it's, it's a very high level. You need a lot of, and it's a very intense arousal that you need. And so how do we get there? Like, what's the advice that the ultra rabbi gives in order to get there? It comes from this, this idea, this, these subjects that we've been learning. This is why he took us on this whole journey of talking about the Shina and the spirituality and all that stuff is because what you should do is you should, you should, uh, meditate upon the idea and and place it in your heart the idea of the descent of the shekhinah so we've been talking about this in the past couple of episodes this idea of the galus shekhinah we spoke about this yesterday right about the background becoming the foreground so he he advises you to meditate upon this to meditate upon the the exile and the descent of the shekhinah and how low it descended. It descended in such such a low way. He brings a citation from Echa chapter one, verse nine, that it descended in a wondrous way to become vested within the radiance of the Klipos. That's how far this this Shechina descended, that it's really there inside in a state of exile within the Klipos uh, in order to vivify them. And now, this spark that's found that's vested within there within the klipos is in a place of exile uh in a in a very particular way it's in its own particular exile within the words of this non-jew that's speaking these things that mix you up in your service of god uh which is meaning that in your concentration so meaning that the at the non-jew that's that's messing you up while you're during your prayer and distra- distracting you they have within them vested a spark of of of, uh, of the shechina that's exiled within them in a very particular way, particular to this non-Jew, and uh, and this is the whole idea of zelu matze that we spoke about. So, meaning to say that we spoke about a lot about God's speech, right, and the holiness of God's speech, and so here zelu matze. So we know that the supernal speech becomes vested within this lower speech in within this speech of the non-jew who's who's uh speaking and and distracting you with his words and this is the idea of uh, of that which we learned yesterday of ashel shalata adam ba'adam l'galo, that we're living in this place that that man rules over man but to his detriment so meaning yes we're living in a state of exile right now and yes negativity overpowers good so yes at that moment when a person's praying that that non-jew that's speaking is messing them up the non-jew is the one in control however ultimately it's to his detriment why because ultimately you have the power to overcome this and through a person arousing within themselves to daven even stronger like all the person's doing basically like if you think about it in that way the non-jew in that case is actually assisting the jew to to get even deeper into their prayer and to get even uh, stronger with their kavana stronger with their intention and prayer so that they won't hear what they're saying 
So it's kind of like that thing, you know, that like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger kind of thing that it's like different obstacles that happen to a person in life. And you often see this, you often see this very clearly people who are very fully developed, very developed people, very deep people. It's often through hardships that people develop themselves so much. So, um, so that's basically what's going on. And that's, that's the basic teaching of, of today is this idea of how when we, when we encounter different obstacles in life, and here he gives us like very specific example of a non-Jew distracting a person during prayer by speaking. So instead of getting angry at this person, you should see that the, that God, that uh, the Shekhinah is vested within this person in a way of gallus, in a way of exile within this person. And so then you realize and you recognize, oh, wow, this Shekhinah that's exiled within this person, this is, first of all, you you feel bad for the Shekhinah. So it's sort of like when you, it's like, it's kind of like when you realize that if somebody's acting like really badly towards you, like let's say someone's yelling at you on the street or whatever, when you realize that they're crazy, it kind of changes, right? Like it's sort of like if somebody's being really mean to you and they're, you think of them as just like a really mean person, like that's one thing. But then when you realize like, oh, okay, this person's like just like crazy. They're just like a mental person. Then it actually helps, right? You realize it's outside of their control. So it's not the exact same thing here, but it's similar in the sense that when you realize that this non-Jew or whoever it is that's distracting you, that's, that's bothering you in some way, it's they're not acting out of their own volition they're acting because within them there's a spark of the shechina within them that's being vested within them and that's what's vivifying them and that thing that's vivifying them that's actually there to serve as an impetus for you to grow and for you to become more challenged in your own way now the ultra baget here uh, concludes the section on a technical note where he goes back to the wording in the Tifut Rubash, which was a wording that a lot of the opponents really had a problem with, where it says Shabta, where it says uh, that the um, that the Shekhinah dwells within these, or uh, like, like yeah, like dwells, rests within this person, the non-Jew, let's say. So he said that the person that wrote this down, like the, the, um, the Baal Shem Tov didn't actually write Sifutu Rabash. The Baal Shem Tov spoke in Yiddish and not in Hebrew. And so uh, the people who wrote that book, they were, these were people that compiled the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. And so the language isn't necessarily really precise. So when it says shelta, like dwelt or abided within the, per, within the, the person, it really, the real wording that it should have said is nitlapsha, which is becomes vested, which is, uh, which is very different. And we'll see why, because vested in a way of gallus, especially, and this, this, now we can understand why it says, especially that this, this dwelling of the Shekhinah or the vestment of the Shekhinah is especially there in the case of a non-Jew. So it's, uh, so basically it's like, because at first glance, if we look at it, that the wording says like shelta, that the, that the Shekhinah is dwells within the, uh, within the non-Jew and specifically within the non-Jew, that's where a lot of the opponents had a problem is they're saying like, wait, what are you saying? Are you saying that God dwells, God is present, just as present in good as he is in bad. And that really like the bad, we shouldn't judge anybody. And that like Jews, non-Jews were all the same and there's no difference or anything like that. So the ultra was saying, no, it's not the wording should not have been shelta. The wording should have been nitlapsha, which means to be vested. And vested implies the state of gallus. And this is why we do say that it's specifically in the case of a non-Jew, because it's specifically in the case of the non-Jew that it's found in even a, a bigger form of exile. And so this is the technicality about that wording that the ultra is basically saying. And the difference is that when we say 
shalta, if we were to say shalta, then it implies this idea of revelation, that, that Hashem is like, that the, the spark of the Shekhinah is revealed within this non And the altar is saying, no, the spark of the Shekhinah is there, but it's not revealed. The spark of the Shekhinah is just vested within them, but it's actually in a very hidden way. And now the altar brings another technicality is he says, why is it that again, we see in the Tzivutu Rush, it doesn't say spark of Shekhinah, but it actually says Shekhinah. It refers to the spark of the Shekhinah as the Shekhinah itself and isn't that a problem like isn't it can't we say that it's no it's not the shekhinah it's a spark of the shekhinah so he says no we say that we see that often there are many times that we see even like a created angel is often called god you know like we see in the parshas vayera according to the ramban that we see that there's uh and this is uh, his commentary on barishi's chapter 16 verse 13 where we see that hagar but called out the name of God. So, that Hagar, she was speaking to an angel, but uh, but actually it says that she spoke out to the name of God that was speaking to her. So angels sometimes are referred to as God. Um, and there's other passages like this as well. So we see that often, often angels are referred to by the name of God, even though we know that they're not God. So he says it's not a problem here that this is similar kind of thing that when we talk about the, um, the, 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 the spark of the Shekhinah and it's referred to as the Shekhinah itself. It's the same idea. So that's it for today. And so just to summarize, so again, when things come up in your life and when there's obstacles in your path, whether from people or experiences or whatever it is, rather than getting frustrated and angry by these things, you should actually recognize that there's a spark of the Shekhinah within all of these things. And yes, we're in a state of exile, but we have the potential to overcome this exile and to overpower this exile, overpower this klipa by recognizing the Shekhinah that's within there and taking it as an opportunity to grow and push you harder. So not to get frustrated, not to get downtrodden, but to actually see that this is to your benefit. This is actually a good thing that's happening for you to get you closer to God, get you higher, closer to your purpose and become a stronger person overall. So that's it for today. And we will continue along these lines tomorrow uh, when we conclude this epistle actually. And uh, I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Avraham Yitzchak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Taught project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow, and until then, have a great day.